Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Thank you for calling CNN, the world's leading 24-hour news network. I'm feeling like I can breathe again. Well, I'm a Trump voter, but if Biden's won, I'm going to back him. I think he'll do a good job. I hope so. I'm a black woman. I am so proud. It's been a lot of pain this year, so we need to heal, and I'm looking forward to helping. Relief, joy, hope. The emotions thousands of Americans shared with CNN after President-elect Biden's victory. But many of those people who voted for President Trump are also experiencing raw emotions and buying into the baseless belief that the election was stolen. I think the Democrats stole this election. So I'm calling with feeling frustrated and upset. Trump should have won. This is not a landslide. This is not a fair election. You cannot tell me that this is fair in any, in any form or fashion. People across the country are being led to believe these conspiracies and lies being spread by the president and his party. It's an assault on our democracy and institutions that ignores the most essential American political tradition, the peaceful transition of power. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN political director David Chalian. And I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. Welcome to Politically Sound. President Trump is still clinging to the fiction that he won the election, and his actions are posing grave, immediate threats to the country's safety and security. Most importantly, hindering the nation's ability to fight the surging coronavirus, a crisis that Americans told us they are deeply worried about. I'm scared for the future of my business, um, its ability to stay open during the rest of this COVID pandemic. I served my country in the military through three wars, and I want to see this virus end. I want to get behind my president, whoever that is, and fight this stupid virus back and get people back to work. So in this episode, we'll walk you through how the all-important presidential transition is being ignored and undermined. We'll discuss the risk that poses and the challenges an incoming Biden administration will face We'll also hear from Benjamin Ginsburg, a CNN contributor and a top Republican election lawyer, about the baseless legal strategy coming from the White House, how President Trump could end this legal charade, and the Trump team's only 
infinitesimally small chance of impacting the results of the election. So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. Okay, David, so in a normal election, the transition would very much be in full swing at this point. But given that this president uh, has refused to concede, the transition is very much incomplete. So what do you see as the dangers of this present situation? Yeah, when you say a normal election and transition, Nia, I mean, I do, I went back to to look at sort of the day-by-day proceedings of what occurred in previous transitions after an election was called. You know, that includes a meeting at the White House, if, you know, with the sitting president inviting the new president coming in. Even like in 2008, obviously, George W. Bush wasn't the losing candidate in that race, but you saw the tradition of inviting Barack Obama in. But you also saw John McCain go to Chicago where Obama was holding his transition and and have a meeting there between the winner and the loser, even though neither one of them was the sitting president. Obviously, in 2016, you saw Barack Obama host Donald Trump by now. You saw Vice President Pence was hosted by Vice President Biden or Vice President-elect Pence then was. So that part would have already happened, and that's clearly not happening. And then you also would have had these so-called landing teams sort of arrive at all these agencies and be able to assess where things stand now and have access to all of the briefing materials that the current administration prepares. That obviously is also not happening here as well. You saw this week, Nia, President-elect Biden tried very hard to turn the temperature down on this and not express real concern about this, says it's sort of all systems going that nothing is being prevented or halted in any way by the fact that the president hasn't conceded the election or that the transition is not sort of proceeding apace. But there are real ramifications to the fact that the president has not conceded. Uh, no? Certainly. I mean, especially given where the country is right now, fighting this surging pandemic, cases on the rise, hospitalizations on the rise, just as Biden is trying to get his hands around it. And you see, not only is this administration seeming not to really do anything in terms of controlling the virus, but then also not sharing information with this incoming administration. So that, of course, creates a blind spot for Biden's uh, task force as they try to piece together how what their plan will be moving moving forward. On the national security front, you flash back to 9-11. And one of the criticisms about uh, what happened there was that there were blind spots that were missed uh, because of the delayed transition, because of that uh, 2000 recount. So you have some sense that some Republicans might be moving along and trying to give Biden more access. You heard Senator Langford say that he wants to be in a position, if things don't happen soon, he wants to be in a position to allow uh, Biden to get some classified briefs. Senator Chuck Grassley also said the same thing. Lindsey Graham, Rob Portman, they're coming out of the woodwork now, these Republicans who say he should get those briefings. Exactly, because they know how important this is to the nation's security. And you had Biden, being Biden in this instance, uh, playing this down in some ways, essentially saying, listen, everything is fine. He's moving forward. He has been in this position before, knows his way around the White House. Here's what he had to say about the state of the transition and particularly receiving the presidential daily brief. We can get through without the funding. Uh, We're in a position that uh, we feel very good about our, there's nothing that slows up our efforts to put things together. 
Obviously, the PDB would be useful, but it's not necessary. I'm not the sitting president now. Yeah, he reasserts that notion, right? There's one president at a time. So even uh, if he calls it helpful that he would be able to see that, he knows none of it would be actionable for him. The current president is the president until January 20th, uh, 2021. It clearly is a problem, but Biden, as you said, is being Biden and trying very hard to sort of stay above the fray of the controversy of it and make sure that he is more of an inviting force for all sides around this rather than a dividing force uh, on this. So much of the coverage this week has been about Donald Trump, even though it was Joe Biden uh, who had a decisive (laughs) election victory here. I mean, he, he got 306 electoral votes, most likely, which is the same Donald Trump had four years ago. But it does say a lot about the gravitational pull that this president has. But the question is, does he actually have a legal path to overturning the election? Stay with us. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support your sleep number setting. Sleep number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All sleep number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on sleep number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back. It is perfectly clear that Joe Biden is the winner of the presidential election, but the legal efforts to undermine that victory mounted by President Trump and Republicans have left many people wondering, can they actually change the results of the election? Well, with us now to explain everything is a man who knows something about litigating presidential elections. CNN contributor Ben Ginsburg. he was the national counsel for the Bush campaign in 2000 and 2004. There's no reason to think that this election was going to end any less... In 2000, he played a central role in the Florida recount. There is a strong burden on a candidate contesting an election, especially a presidential election that's never been contested before in our history, to show that you deserve that remedy. There's a fun stroll down memory lane. He has been the top Republican election lawyer in this country for decades and knows these issues inside and out like nobody else. Ben, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So what is your assessment of the main thrust of what the Trump team is arguing 
across the country right now because it's not obviously not like Florida 2000, which was in one singular state. Uh, they are looking to contest elections or get recounts or litigation across many states in the country. And I'm wondering, is there a unifying theme to everything they're pursuing? Is there some evidence of widespread election fraud that they may be able to hang on to as a basis to these pursuits? I think saying that there is a cogent legal strategy is uh, not in evidence at the moment. And to the extent there is a central unifying theme, it's trying to basically cloud up the results, the counting in a number of states with the apparent goal and purpose of holding up the certification of the election results when each of the states is supposed to do that in late November, early December. So if you look at the different states where they're contesting the count and raising allegations of voter fraud, do you see a particular state where they could actually overturn the results of the election? In looking at what they've filed so far, the answer to that is no. And the way that they would have a path to overturning the results is being able to back up the claims that Donald Trump made without evidence that there was widespread fraud. And in the filings that they've produced in the five states where they're litigating, there are no specific incidents of fraud and certainly not enough votes in play to overturn the results of the election. So, Ben, I recall even before we got to the election itself in in the pre-election period, you wrote an op-ed that you had been you know, in the trenches of uh, Republican election law for decades. And this claim of widespread election fraud has been out there. And you've come to the conclusion, I'm, I'm summing you up correctly, but please correct me if I'm wrong, that it, it simply doesn't exist as, as sort of widespread fraud in America's electoral system. Yeah, I've spent the better part of four decades on election days being part of poll watcher programs, lawyer programs, and legal boiler rooms in which Republicans and Democrats take advantage of state law and have poll watchers in the polling places to look for problems, including fraud and irregularities. I think it's perfectly proper and appropriate to look for those problems, to fix them. That's how you validate elections. But you have to be honest with the evidence that's been gathered over all those years. And so when Donald Trump started saying that our elections were rigged and that there was fraud involved, I think that just is demonstrably not true. And, you know, there's no evidence in prior elections for that. And so if they fail, if they don't find more instances of fraud than they've ever been able to produce, then it's time to to recognize once and for all that fraud does not exist in the elections of this country, except for scattered instances that get caught. So, Ben, if you were writing the script for the Trump campaign where the ending is that they win instead of fail, what would that script look like? How could they craft a path to victory, even if it's very, very unlikely? <laughs> well, thank you for providing some fiction reading in my life. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, so the answer to that is that they would raise enough sound objections to the way the counting went on, to the process. They would identify enough fraudulent votes so that the results of the election weren't clear. And they would go to court and enjoin the appropriate state official from certifying the results of the election. 
absent a certification, there is no slate of electors that that state can send on to Congress. And so into that void would step a Republican state legislature to say, our state should not be unrepresented in the Electoral College. Here's who we, uh, acting under our constitutional authority, declare as the electors. And that would lead to sort of the usurpation of the popular vote in that state uh, in the the cloud, the fog of uh, litigation, and allow Trump forces to name their electors. I mean, I get how that could be a Hollywood script, and I get how that could be a fascinating (laughs) political thriller novel to read. But that, I mean, that would just be insane if that came to pass. I mean, that would cause such upheaval in in so many places. It just seems so, and I know you framed it this way, but it just seems so uh, completely far-fetched as to not be an actual realistic strategy or approach here. Here's how it happens, though. Yeah. It, it, It happens, you know, like in Florida, we got done just in the nick of time. Before, before certification. The clock would have, yeah, well, no, it was after certification, but it was oh. the recount, and it would have, certification was held up by a court. Oh, right. And so, you know, another week without the results becoming final, and there would have been grounds for the legislature to step in. It's all about clock management, I guess. In addition to all the legal counsel you have provided to Republicans over the years, you're, you've been in these rooms and around these tables with presidential candidates as part of the political counsel as well. And I am just wondering, if you were in the Oval Office today with President Trump, how would you guide him to an off-ramp here, given how dug in he seems to be at the moment? I think you have to approach him and say, sir, the results are what the results are. And we're really most trying to protect you from being labeled a loser, that in fact, you need to find a graceful way out of this. Concessions themselves are not required under any part of the law, but you should sort of fade out in these legal challenges. In other words, you don't have to ever concede. You don't have to say you lost, but you can say that the system has been so corrupted that we can't tell the results of these elections. Uh, You're not gonna be able to make your case satisfactorily under the way the system works. So what's gonna happen is gonna happen and I'm just gonna get out of the way. Ben Ginsburg, thank you so much for your time and your insights. It's hugely helpful, Uh, really appreciate it. Thank you, nice to be with you. Okay, Nia, let's help connect the dots for listeners when it comes to the dangers of this transition or non-transition, as the case may be, and what Ben just laid out for us in terms of a legal strategy, if you can call it that or not. What's your big takeaway for how we should think about this moment that we're in? Well, listen, I think we have learned a lot about uh, Donald Trump's power over the Republican Party, many of them lining up to talk about crazy conspiracy theories and massive voter fraud. So I think Biden comes in wanting to be the uniter, and I think he is going to face a very obstinate block of Republicans who are still under Donald Trump's thumb in many ways. Sure, there are some who are coming out, and we talked about the folks who are coming out now to say that this should be more of a normal 
whole transition. Biden should be let in on some classified briefings. But you've got most Republicans who are publicly, at least, dug in and on the side of this president. We hear a lot about, oh, privately, they're saying all sorts of things. But Lord knows, privately, they've been saying all sorts of things about this president <laughs> over the last four years, and it hasn't really made much difference in terms of their public behavior or Trump's public behavior. In listening to those phone calls of people, uh, Trump supporters who called in and said Trump should have won, this is not a landslide, uh, another woman said that she thinks the Democrats stole this election and that it wasn't fair, that is very frightening. I think you see Donald Trump, again, peddling a racist conspiracy theory because his theory is essentially this, this was stolen by people in Philadelphia, black people he means Detroit, black people he means Atlanta, black people he means— uh, so that kind of undercurrent it isn't even really an undercurrent. It is very troubling, but not surprising for this president. But I think it is troubling for where this country goes going forward. You had Ben Ginsburg there talking about the president, sort of a graceful exit. He used the phrase, I think, fade away. We know at this point that this president has no plans uh, to fade away. He is binding himself to his supporters even more with this notion that this election was stolen from him. So I think that has uh, a lot of not so great, you know, it's not a great outcome for the country. And, and certainly I think you have the Republican Party facing really choppy waters dealing with this president going forward. Oh, my. Even as he, yeah, even as he becomes sort of America's ex-girlfriend, you know, like the, the you know, America's ex and, and a disgruntled ex who in the Republican Party uh, just can't quit him. No way. And he, and he won't even be an ex in the Republican Party. I mean, what right. we've been saying for four or five years now is Donald Trump has remade the Republican Party in his image. That doesn't go away because he lost an election. It just, it doesn't. Right. This is his party. Look at how most of these Republicans are behaving. That's not just because he's the sitting president. That's because of his political power inside the party. And so when you see him forming a leadership pact this week to make sure that he has financial influence still to apply to candidates and causes and what have you, when you see him endorsing Ronna Romney McDaniel, his handpicked RNC chair for another two-year term of running the RNC, all of these moves are all about Donald Trump insisting that he is still going to be in control of this party, never mind the private hints that he's going to run again in 2024 and he's going to keep that hanging over the head of all those people that want to seek the Republican nomination in 2024 along with him, should he choose to do so, and the party more broadly, he is the Republican Party, which is why Joe Biden's effort to try and heal the country, it's just going to be enormously difficult because the 72 <laughs> million people or so that voted for Donald Trump and are subscribing to Trump's Republican Party, they're not going anywhere. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden Donald Trump leaves and they become available to come into this broader Biden coalition. Like that, right? I think if we think the division within this country is simply because of Donald Trump's presence in the Oval Office, I think that's mistaken. I think we are a deeply divided nation and with enormous challenges for a brand new president to come into, obviously, the COVID crisis, the economic fallout from it, obviously, what this country has gone through in the last year of the most robust movement for racial justice in this country. There are real challenges facing the country and how you solve those challenges when we are as divided as we are as a people and when the Congress is as sort of narrowly divided as it is going to be in the House and the Senate, I just think Joe Biden has such a tall order in front of him when he gets into that Oval Office on January 20th. 
And clearly, at least 75 million people think that he's the man for this moment. And over the last couple of days, I think he's shown that temperamentally he might be because he is one to try to lower the temperature in the room. So we'll see what happens on this uh, bumpy road ahead. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks for listening. And if you could take a few minutes to give us a rating and a review, that'd be great. And if you're listening for the first time, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you get our latest episode each week delivered right to you. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan and Mimi Mutesa. Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager and Francisco Monroy is our engineer. David Toledo is the team's production assistant, and a special thanks to Abby Sharp for her help on this week's episode. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. We'll see y'all next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.